0: Hello, greetings to all of you joining us across the globe. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Alexander and you're listening to a brand new episode of Ivy Exec Insights, a weekly podcast brought to you by Ivy Exec, an elite network of global thought leaders. As you may know, you can visit us and join us at ivexec.com and also follow us on your favorite podcast platform. In today's episode, you will have a chance to hear How to Make a Killer First Impression on Your Future Boss with our guest Vicky Oliver, career development expert and author. Vicky Oliver is a leading career development expert and multi-best-selling author of five books, including 301 Smart Answers to Tough Interview Questions, which was named in the top 10 lists of best books for HR interview prep, 301 smart answers to tough business etiquette questions and as well bad bosses, crazy co-workers and other office idiots. In this session you'll learn how to align your online presence to reflect your goals, how to answer any questions with poise, passion and purpose, how to research uh, insider information on your target industry as well as how to present the right image. Enjoy the show.
1: Hi, everyone. I want to thank Ivy Exec for having me here today. My name is Vicki Oliver, and today's topic is how to make a killer first impression on your future boss. A little bit about me I come to this field by way of having written six career books and blogging about careers for Life Hack and Harvard Business Review Ascend, among others. So basically, impressions are made in an instant. You blink and then for better or worse, the impression is made. You have about seven seconds and the impression is made. We're gonna go through some facts about first impressions. Then we're gonna talk about how first impressions differ when you're in Zoom or on Microsoft Teams, any software where you are on a computer screen, how you stage your background for those first impressions, the lighting that you might need to use, the grooming, some grooming tips. Um, then we're going to compare that to first impressions in person. You want always want to be you on your best day through your clothing, wearing your power colors. And if you don't know what power colors are, we'll talk about that. Then we're going to talk about why you want to demonstrate your knowledge, like through industry trends, uh, how to impress an interviewer, how to create a master list of questions, and of course going for a dress rehearsal before any important interview. We're gonna go with, I've written a book called 301 Smart Answers to Tough Interview Questions. We're gonna cover seven of them today and what the interview is really asking you and how to answer those questions. And then we'll talk about some items to bring to all of your meetings. Um, Also, we will talk about what bosses really want Um, The importance of follow up and how to do it. In person, by the time you get off the elevator or say hello, introduce yourself, and shake the person's hand, either on Zoom or in real life, you have already made an impression. You have one chance to make that impression fantastic. People make up their minds about you within seven seconds. And if the impression is positive, that impression will hold even during an interview even if you flub it a little bit the good first impression will hold but if you make a poor first impression during the first 7 seconds almost anything you say cannot unravel that impression so that's why it's so important to pay attention to things like dress and grooming it's not superficial to do that it's very 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 important because somebody is quickly taking a snapshot of you and then on based on that snapshot They're going to decide whether or not you fit into their company. In the blink of an eye, you wanna make a great impression. So let's talk about first impressions in the Zoom room. And by that, I also mean Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Facebook Live, any software that allows you to communicate in real time where the other person can see your face. Um, Seeing like the way you see me right now. Before the pandemic, Remote interviews were pretty rare. But a recent poll by Indeed found that 93% of employers expect remote interviews to continue even after the pandemic. What that means is that your background in your apartment or your home, right? Your background, the plants on your wall, the books, how clean the room looks and uncluttered it looks, the lighting, all of that stuff is now contributing to your first impression. It used to be just the way you looked, you know, shaking their hand, the way you were dressed. Now it's all those other things are contributing to that first impression. I spent over two years getting the light in this area, which is my home office and my apartment in New York City, to look halfway decent. We all have to become lighting technicians and directors of the way that we look on Zoom we are all Steven Spielberg. If you can't clean up your background to make it look uncluttered and clean, then I would consider using a background shot, but I don't recommend it because if you, sometimes if you move against a background shot, it creates a little bit of um, static and you don't look that natural. And so sometimes using background shots makes the other person on the other side of the screen feel like you're not being your authentic self. So somewhere in between being authentic and having books all over the place, (laughs) um, you need to try to clean it up a little bit and I would suggest using your real background. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that, so. All right. First of all, you are director of lighting for a biopic featuring yourself and you wanna fix any and all lighting issues. So the first thing to do is to put lights behind your computer's camera because you want your face to be lit up. You don't want to be shrouded in darkness. You want to make sure you're not backlit or in shadow. And you want to turn off any lights that are behind your head. Like the lamp behind me, I turned it off for this, right? Also, I would say try to experiment with natural light. Like if it's not raining and it's not snowing, I actually find natural light to be the very prettiest light of all. So you can see, like with my window, I think you can see it. The shades are open to let in the light. First impressions uh, continued in Zoom. Um, You wanna fix the color filters on your computer to put you in the best possible light. So I look like a tomato anytime I get on screen. You know, it's a combination of having very, very red skin and also the lens in my computer is very, very red. So I have to do everything I can to counterbalance the redness so that I look normal when I'm on Zoom, right? And so there are color filters in your computer and I turn mine all the way to blue and it counteracts the redness. And when you find that in your computer, the color filters, I would suggest playing around with them a little bit and seeing how you look. Another tip that I use when I go on interviews, I find the computer's photo booth and I take a snapshot of myself just before the interview and I adjust accordingly. Sometimes I catch stuff there. I also use, you know, my mobile device and take a picture um, and I just think, I don't think it's being narcissistic. You know, you have to be you on your best day for that interview. And you can see stuff in a photograph more easily than you could just see just looking at yourself online. So I suggest doing both. Also, you wanna check the sound and if there's any background noise, you know, headphones like this, you wanna have them very handy, especially for an interview. Um, So first impressions in the Zoom room, grooming matters, hair, you know, for men and women needs to look tame. Nails need to look kempt, women and men. The way you look in the mirror is not the same way that you look on Zoom, okay? You have to adjust everything for the Zoom lens and look good for the Zoom lens. And of course, try to smile too, that helps. First impressions in the Zoom room, Just like going to an in-person interview, your clothing choice matters. Again, because the first impression is made in seven seconds, right? I always say to dress 25% better than you would need to for the job that you are going for. So what does that mean? It means, let's say people wear shorts in the company, right? It's a startup and everyone's wearing shorts and skateboarding. Then I would suggest for you to wear slacks to that interview. If people wear slacks, I would suggest wearing a jacket and slacks or a jacket and a skirt. You're just basically kicking it up a notch. You're dressing 25% more elegantly than you would need to if you were actually working at the company. If folks who work there wear a suit every day, you wear a nicer suit. You know, This is not one-upsmanship. It's actually showing respect for the work culture and it's showing that you fit in. I also advocate wearing a color that contrasts with your skin color. And again, if you're on Zoom, we're talking about how you look on Zoom, not how you look when you're looking in the mirror, you know? Um, it's a little bit tricky, but with practice, you know, come it gets better, gets easier with time. Some Zoom etiquette, um, you don't want to be on time. You want to be five minutes early. You want to test the technology to make sure Everybody can hear you, you know, you look okay. Your internet connection is working that day. You want to be, you know, you on your best, which means being prepared and getting there early. If there's background noise, you want to wear headphones. You want to turn off your landline and your mobile, because if you don't, trust me, they're both going to ring simultaneously during your interview and it's going to be awkward. And we're going to talk a lot about this, but I think it's fine. To create a cheat sheet of questions that you want to ask, but it's going to be obvious if you're reading the questions. So we'll talk more about it, but I say create that master sheet of questions and then memorize the questions so you don't have to keep looking at your notes during the interview. Speaking of notes, I would say don't take notes at all. Um, you know, try to listen hard. Try to remember what the interviews are saying to you about the job in question. And then after you get off, that's the time you take notes. Um, Today, especially with Zoom and other um, software, we're so used to looking at ourselves and seeing the way we look, right? But in an interview, that doesn't really work that well. Like you can't just look at yourself the whole time. You have to figure out a way to, you know, close it out, ignore the way you look and look at the other person. Look at the interviewer, because you're going to need to try to establish eye contact with that person when you're talking to him or her. If two people are interviewing you at the same time, and one drops you a note in the chat feature, which sometimes happens, I would say you have to return the note. I'd say it's bad etiquette to ignore the note. So you do have to sort of On Zoom at least, like make sure your eye is roving to the chat feature every so often in case the person sends you a handwritten little note to you. Also, there is a raise the hand feature in Zoom and I would say you don't wanna use that during your interview. You wanna raise your real hand to ask a question and I would use the raise the hand feature in large groups only. Um, One trick especially if there are two people interviewing you. And I would say this applies to Zoom or in person. You want to spend equal amounts of time looking at both people. Even if one of them is the person who's asking you all the questions, you want to acknowledge the other person. It's very, very important to do that. And remember that you never really know who the decision maker is. So spend equal time, at least with your eyes, at both people during a group interview. Now, before we go into making a first impression in person, I thought we would talk about something that I think is on a lot of people's minds in this particular group, um, which is age discrimination in hiring. So I thought we'd talk about it for a few minutes. Um, A lot of people feel like they have been discriminated against at their jobs. Um, You know, studies show that people who show no bias at all when it comes to gender or race still have an age bias when it comes to hiring. And there's a lot of evidence out there that unfortunately, age bias is alive and well, not going anywhere. Um, I'll tell you a personal story. I applied and it was accepted to graduate school in 2020 and I've been there. And I'm one of the more advanced students there right now in terms of my age. So I've been there for the last two years, I'm graduating in May. And over the past two years in school, I have been called, quote, mature. I've been asked point blank if my husband went to college with a fellow student's father. Um, I've been asked how long I've been married and I've been asked all kinds of questions, you know, when did I graduate from college? All these things by fellow students and maybe even by a teacher or two. Um, last year I applied and got an internship at a political website that is also run by the school. And I was told before I applied that I was overqualified for the job even though at the time I had no idea how WordPress worked until I learned it on the job. I had no idea how Slack worked until I learned it on the job. I had no idea how audio editing worked until I learned it on the job and other software that I all learned on the job. But due to my age, the head person at the website automatically assumed that I was overqualified and continued to call me overqualified throughout the entire internship. So by the way, I told them, I'm not overqualified, I'm just qualified. And if you wanna use that on your interviews, you are welcome to use it too. Today, there are four generations of workers in the workplace. And I've often read that there are five generations, but it's actually four, it's not five. They're the boomers who were born between 1946 and 1964. The oldest boomer is 76, the youngest is 58. Gen Xers born 1965 to 1980, the oldest Gen Xer is 57, the youngest is 42. Gen Y, which is often referred to as the millennials, the oldest Gen Yer is 41, and the youngest is 26. And the Zen Gen Z generation, the oldest is 25, and the youngest is 10. So I say, I say there are four, because I don't think we have to worry about the 10-year-olds yet, yet, yet. Um, the problem if you are on the older end of this spectrum, is that the people who are interviewing you automatically assume that you have a problem with technology, pure and simple. If you did not grow up with the internet, you are not going to be as comfortable with technology as someone who did. That's a fact. But chances are, you've also had to learn a few things along the way, and technology is something that you can master. Strategies for combating age discrimination, Number one, show that you have a command of technology. Learn WordPress, SEO, Google Docs, word tracking software, Microsoft Office, Adobe, photo retouching, Slack, WhatsApp, Excel, PowerPoint, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, email, audio editing, plus any specific technical skills you need in your particular field. Also, realize that just because you learn something, let's take WordPress as an example, you learn it in one place of business, it doesn't mean that it's gonna work the identical way at another company. You're gonna have a different version of WordPress and you're gonna to have to learn it all over again. And there's still gonna be more to learn and tomorrow more to learn and more. So you have to have the mindset that you are a quick learner, and you're going to pick it up. And if you don't know it, you're going to learn it fast, like you learned so many other skills fast at your various jobs. On the plus column, you have the experience, you have the quote-unquote gray hair, you're knowledgeable about processes, your people skills are superb, your, your relationship skills are fabulous, you have problem-solving abilities, you know how to close deals, and you have fantastic communication skills, your phone manners, et cetera. I really wanna emphasize that you you should emphasize your communication skills and particularly phone if you have any phone that is required on the job because this is something that you have that younger people don't have. You have communication skills. People who grew up with the internet do not have great communication skills the way you do. So those are some things that are in the plus column. It's not just all negative. You have pluses and there are minuses too. The other thing is, if you have worked for a boss, let's say you've worked for a boss who's half your age, I would bring that up. Talk about it. You know, you don't have a problem learning from people who are younger than you. You strive to learn always, and you don't care how old they are or how young they are. So now let's talk about making a great first impression in person. As we mentioned, an impression is made in an instant. So by your clothing, your demeanor, you, you go in and you look the part. How do you do that? Well, I would first go to the company's website often there are photographs of employees who work there i would see how they are dressed and i would dress how they dress but 25% better for your interview i would kick it up a notch or two you want to be you on your best day so let's say let's say you see this visual of this attractive gentleman on their website and you can see that he's dressed in what i would consider a business casual way right I would say now, if you were going to this company for a job interview, I would say maybe don't wear boots, maybe wear real shoes. I would wear a jacket instead of this top that he's wearing. Um, I would be careful, you know, to be sure that you're like, if you have facial hair, you have a beard, you have mustache, that you're well groomed, that your hair is like well cut that day. It's like you know, even for men, I'd say nails. You know, manicured or at the very least clean. You just want to be you at your best possible, the best you can be. You want to make your personality shine, not your wardrobe or your accessories. Maybe you don't want to wear a honking huge like Rolex type of a watch showing you don't need the job. You want the job, right? So it's you letting you shine, and the accessories that you wear should be supporting you. Um, everyone, I would say away from clothing worn to a dance club or for a workout or a date. Um, it's very important to, you know, be mentally present and part of showing that you're mentally present is to dress for the actual interview that you're at, not for whatever you're doing before or after. So don't dress up for a date afterwards, dress up for the interview, you know, and then change later for the date, you know, ladies, no spaghetti straps, no spike heels, no showing cleavage, These things, they're small, but remember, the impression is made in seven seconds. So maybe they're not that small. Okay. So certain colors look better on everybody than other colors. And each person is a combination of their skin, their hair color, their eye color. Each person has a couple of shades that make them look spectacular. Now, in order to find out what your power color is, I would say you almost have to stumble on it. You're probably not going to know like what color looks best on you, but your friends or your spouse, significant other, people around you, when they start complimenting something you're wearing, then you know that you've stumbled on a power color. And I would say when you know what that is, the shade, I would bring that in to a store and I would buy some additional clothing in the same shade so that you have a few outfits that you can wear that are you in your best day, your power color. You know, people talk about lucky clothing and everything. I don't think it's so much luck. I think it's actually a skill. Like you're finding your best color and you're wearing it. And because you know you look great in it, it's giving you a measure of confidence. And the confidence is what you're trying to achieve in an interview in person or on Zoom. Okay, so maybe this should be called, this slide should be called making a terrible first impression in person, but you wanna beware of fashion clash. Again, it's going to wearing something for the actual interview, for the actual job that you're applying for. You don't wanna wear like a sports watch with a suit or leggings under a dress. Those are faux pas. Jewelry's fine. But for your interview, you may want to remove nose piercings, giant earrings, and flashy jewelry. The only reason being, you want somebody to concentrate on you. You don't want them looking at your earrings the whole time and wondering why you wore them. Or asking you questions about, you know, your jewels. You want them to look at you and listen to you and be impressed by you. And that's all before you open your mouth to say hello or shake your interviewer's hand. Before you go to an interview, you wanna brush up on industry trends to show that you're an insider. You might wanna subscribe to some newsletters for your field and look at them. Like in preparation for today, I read the New York Times Magazine section because it talks a lot about the anti-work movement and the future of work movement. And I just thought it'd be good to be brushed up on those things for this. You want to do your homework on the company. That means who is interviewing you? What do their online bios say? Have they ever written an article? Have they written a book? Can you skim the book before the interview? Can you skim some of their posts? You know, when you're reading their bios and their posts and you're learning about the people who are interviewing you at the company where you want to work, I would say you want to be an active reader. You're not just reading it, you're taking notes on what you find that's interesting and you're thinking about kernels that you can extract to discuss with them during the interview. Because it's so impressive to say, you know, I read that article that you wrote about X and how did you come up with that idea? Or how did you research that idea? Or how was that idea received? You know, I thought it was really interesting when you said why? Did you consider X? You want to show that you're kind of following that person and following their career. And, you know, if you have a choice, I always say when you get an interview, I mean, everybody wants an interview to be over with, right? Because they're scary, (laughs) right? And, you know, you just want to get it over with and then go on the date, right? So I always say, you know, don't get it over with. Like if you get an interview and you have a choice of the date to see the person, I say, give yourself a week and study that person and study the company and write a master list of questions and prepare, be prepared. Because if you don't prepare, somebody else will, you know. Even today, during the great resignation, there is competition for the better jobs. You, you know, anytime you go on an interview, you have to expect that there could be 10 other people going for the same job. And you want to be the person that trounces those people. And you want to be the person who gets offered the job. So I would say, like, take it really seriously. Spend a few hours each day reading up on the person who's interviewing you and the company and learn and then go in and like blow it out of the water, you know, get the job. Um, So I say, start forming a master list of questions that you want to ask them. So before I go in an interview, and I had several this year, all of which were on Zoom, I draft a master list of questions. I pretend that I am the one who is interviewing them and I write down at least 20 questions. Now, most interviews last 40 minutes and chances are I'm only gonna get to ask three questions at the most during that time period, right? Because they're gonna be asking me stuff, they're gonna be telling me what the job is. But having the questions in my pocket to ask makes me feel more confident and more secure. It almost doesn't matter if you ever get to ask the questions. The fact is you did your homework and it shows like when you know your stuff and you go in, you will impress people. So don't be superficial about it. In fact, if you can, I would go even deeper. I would try to... Find people that you know who work at the company or used to work there, and try to ask them what their experience has been like. Um, if you got the interview by applying online, now is also the time to review the qualities they said that they were seeking in the job candidate. So that you know when you go in, your physical presence matches the application that you sent or matches the letter that you sent. You wanna refresh yourself on the skills that they asked for and the skills you have so that you can make the case that you are the right person for that particular job. I always say that going on a job interview is like going on a date. You have 40 minutes to make an impression. And during that time, You are figuring out how you feel about the company and how they feel about you. They're going to look at you. You're going to look at them. And together, you're going to figure out whether you're a fit for that place. So the more thoroughly you can research the company, the better you understand its status and its culture, the better you will show how you fit into the culture. Don't skip the dress rehearsal. I would say you you write some questions that you want to ask them. You also write questions that you know that you're going to be asked. And then you practice the answers so that it sounds more or less spontaneous because you don't want to sound canned. That's like a death knell. Don't sound canned. And, you know, if you can, I would say if you have a job hunting buddy, I think that's a good method. And you can you can you know, practice with each other, maybe over Zoom and get better. Um, And so what are some of the typical questions that you may be asked? Okay, so by the way, if you have questions for me, put them in the chat box right now, um, and we will get to them in the Q&A portion. So here are some tough interview questions. The first one says, tell me about yourself. Okay. Now, the interviewer basically wants to know why you got into the field. They don't want to know extraneous information about you. They want to know why you picked this particular field. Interviewers love stories. Any story you can tell that draws a straight line from your childhood, maybe, or college, or business school, to why you're interviewing for this particular job works. A story is always more memorable than a laundry list of experience. So, for example, my first career, I was in advertising, right? And my parents were also in advertising. I have three parents and all three of them were in advertising, right? So I grew up with first my mother and my father and then my mother and my stepfather right but all three of them were talking about their different clients right all the time and my parents my mother and my stepfather at one point they worked at the same advertising agency right but then when they started dating my mother left and went to a different advertising agency this is all in new york city and you know at a certain point my parents were competing for like part of the coca cola account and they would just, they'd always talk about their jobs at, at dinner. And then when they were competing for the same accounts, they would stop talking, right? And dinner was very silent suddenly. So, you know, when I would go on interviews, I would talk about this. I would talk about my three parents being in advertising, you know, and that I felt that through both maybe nature and nurture, I had picked up kind of an advertising muscle and I would discuss it. I drew a line, you know. I didn't talk about all the other experiences that I had that had nothing to do with advertising, you know? Or let's say college that had nothing to do with advertising. I just went into advertising and my parents, my three parents, and that's sort of a memorable story. So it's always trying to figure out like what you, why are you at sitting there going for that job? What got you into the field? What was the spark? You know, the epiphany moment, maybe, when you decide to go into that field. And that will make a memorable story and it will make you stand out. So you want to look for those moments, like I call them touch points. Look for those touch points in your own life and think about that. Why did you get into that field, A? And B, why are you sitting in that company now going for a job? Oops, I skipped one. Okay, how do you deal with pressure? All right, so this isn't what this is easy in a sense because (laughs) the obvious answer is that you deal brilliantly with pressure, right? You are bashing of calm amidst the turmoil. But what's difficult about the question is that it's better to use a real experience to illustrate it. It's not enough to say that you're calm. Even if you come off as being calm, sort of, you want to be specific. And it's best to probably pick a time when you were working someplace when all hell was breaking loose and you were calm and you helped solve problems because you were calm, right? So you might talk about that. A case example, right? What if you were out of work for a while? Okay, then maybe you want to talk about something from a volunteer job where you stayed calm or even from your domestic life. But the point here is that You want to be very specific and tell, again, a story about a time when you remained calm. Um, A pro tip here is that if this is asked in one of your interviews, I would make sure that your references, one of your references will back it up, all right, because the person might be asked about it. All right, why should I hire you? So the trick here. Is that sometimes when people ask this question, it comes off as a little bit obnoxious, actually, because it's like, why should I hire you? Like, people hear a tone in the words. So, the trick here is to strip it of its tone and just answer the question. You know, the person just wants to know why why they should hire you, right? So, what can you bring to that job? You know, your skills, your personality, and your track record. And again, you always wanna show that you are the perfect fit with that organization. If you have a track record, you wanna talk in terms of money raised. New business is one, right? If you manage a successful team, this is the moment to brag about it. You don't wanna be shy. This is your moment to shine, right? So just ignore any perceived tone and just answer the question pretty much directly. Okay, here's another one that's like a zinger. What is this hole in your resume? Let's say you took five years off to raise your children, you know, or you decided you were going to retire. And then after a few years, you were tired of retirement and now you want to go in again. Like, what is this hole in your resume is kind of a dramatic question to be asked. Okay. So trick here is one, not to get flustered, right? Don't get flustered. Two, you wanna show what you've been doing to enhance your skills during the time that you have been off from work. Volunteer work is fantastic. It's very helpful for showing, oh, you know, I'm organized, I did this research, we threw this event, and I'm up to speed on technology because through the volunteer work, I had to use this, 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 and this. Volunteer work is just as valid as paid work in terms of getting a job. So put it on your resume, put it on your CV, don't be embarrassed about it, bring it up, talk about it. And it'll help you show that you are still in the game. Okay, this might be the hardest interview question of all. Why were you fired? All right, so here, Actually, you want to pivot away from why you were fired and instead discuss what you learned on the job. Remember that your future boss is going to be paying very close attention to how you answer this question. The trick is to talk about what you learned from the experience, meaning what you learned from the job itself. What did you learn from your ex-boss? What did you learn from your former colleagues? Maybe you learned how to stay calm under pressure, for example. Maybe you learned how to stay more organized. Maybe you learned how to manage a team of 20 people. All of these are fantastic things to say. Whatever you learned, however you feel, you wanna be glowingly positive about the last place of employment and particularly about your ex-boss. Um, Word gets back, and also a future boss is, you know, next time she'll be saying this about me. That's what they're thinking. So you want to prove that you are the most gracious person about the experience. Also, there is a giant distinction between being fired, quote unquote, and being laid off. So you want to learn whether you were fired or laid off first, right? And if you can position it as a layoff, it will erase the stigma completely. Um, You also want to talk in terms of numbers, I think, and figure out this is one of those things that you want to ask yourself in advance of your job interview and figure out how you're going to talk about it. Right. Like, let's say you worked in a giant company. Well, maybe you want to talk in terms of the number of people who were let go on the same day that you were let go, right? It was a massive cut. 20% of the people were let go. We all got pink slips on the same day. You know, the company had to cut back because X, X, Y, and Z, you know, that type of thing. Another way to talk about it is in terms of uh, the number of people. So uh, let's say you work in a small company, maybe... 15 people were let go the same time you were, or maybe it's better to talk about that in terms of percentage, 30% of the people you have to figure out, are you going to talk about the number of people who lost their jobs the day you lost your job or the percentage of people? And I would say whichever number sounds higher, that would probably be the way to go. And then you want to talk about why, you know, what, what happened. Um, And, Then what you learned. So it's like you you quickly say the number of people, what happened, what you learned and what you're thankful for from that job and what you're carrying forward with you from that job, you know, and it takes a bit of practice, I think, to get around this one. Um, And therefore I would say job hunting buddy or just practice it. You know, if you need to in front of your mirror or, but, Practice it so that it's not awkward, right? When somebody asks you what, you want to be direct. You don't want to look down or look away or, you know, just answer the question, but be really gracious about it. What skills do you have? All right. So this is not that hard a question, but the trick here is to talk about both your hard skills and your soft skills. You don't want to favor one over the other. The hard skills are the technical skills, right? Do you know WordPress, PowerPoint, Excel, Google Suite, SEO? You know all the hard skills that you have learned, right? The soft skills are talking about interpersonal skills, basically. Um, how how do you work with a team? You know, um, are you cooperative? Um, How's your how are your listening skills? Those those type of skills, the sort of touchy feely skills, those are soft skills. So I would say. You want to figure out, like, I would go back to the job posting again before you go on the interview. I would review the list of skills that they're looking for, right? And then I would have a list of the skills that I have, soft and hard, right? And then make the case, right? Depending on the job. I mean, some jobs, you know, they want technical skills more than the soft skills. But I would still mention both sets of skills that you have. Because it makes you more employable, you know? Um, Always, where possible, you want to illustrate with anecdotes. Like, one story is better than a list, like a hard and fast list. Like, you could list them, and then you could tell one story, you know? One story about a client you listened to that nobody else was listening to. Something like that. Um, Always try to illustrate with stories, because stories are more memorable. Ah. Um, you're too old to work here. Okay. So again, I just want to say, this is completely illegal to say, all right. So nobody's going to say this. They're not going to say you're too old to work here, but there are other pernicious ways it's said, like I talked about how I was called mature and overqualified. Those are two words that are sort of saying you're too old, right. To be an intern. So I would say this is one of those things that's said without being said, right? Um, A recent AARP study found that 78% of older workers saw or experienced ageism in the workplace. This was up from 61% in 2018. Um, A lot of interviewers don't know when they're crossing a line, by the way, um, when they talk about your age, or they subtly ask you about it, they don't realize that they're not allowed to do it. All right. Um, so a lot of interviewers, you know, they're not like trained in how to interview properly or whatever. Um, but I also don't think that it helps your case to say that oh you can you know you can't say like oh don't ask me that like, you're not allowed to ask me that that's illegal because then they won't like you so that's a problem. Um, you I always want to show how you bring experience and depth and superior problem solving ability to the job and how you are a quick learner and you're open to learning, right? You're open. So to bring to all your meetings, um, the first thing is to resolve to be completely present. And I think that that is very difficult these days to be 100% present. Because we're so used to answering Slack every second, you know, checking our email, checking our mobile device, like always being on. And sometimes being in an interview, you know, in a way you have to close yourself off to the outside world and just connect with the person there. And you just can't be checking and texting and everything. And, you know, sometimes if you're interviewing, they will be checking and texting, right? They will be making phone calls and texting, and it can be kind of distracting, but whatever they're doing, like, let's say you're in a job interview and the guy is texting. Okay. Don't pull out your mobile and start texting. Like, let them text, let them come back to you and just resolve to be there with them, fully present and not worried about whatever else is going on in your life. The truth is, and you know, there are studies on this too. People are not very good multitaskers. We really aren't. We're not really wired to multitask. So don't multitask. Just be there, you know, be there for a conversation and hope that the conversation is fruitful and ignore your mobile and your text and how much time it's taking and all those things. You have to click it off. Also, I would say like to look for the subtext under what the interviewer is asking you Like in the age example that we just went through, they're not going to say you're too old to work here. They're going to say something else. So you need to answer the subtext under what they're asking. And to be able to do that effectively, you know, it really helps to sleep well the night before, but also just to be fully present in the moment, mentally present. Um, While you're in there, you want to make the case that all of the skills you've picked up from all of your jobs over your entire career are transferable. Also, I would say you wanna bring high energy. You wanna bring questions that you will not pull out, but you will have memorized them. Um, And you always wanna show you're a problem solver. You are very quick study. You are up to speed with technology and this technology you don't know, you will learn really fast. You love to learn. Um, I would quantify results from past employers that show how you add value And I would be prepared also to bring positive feedback that you receive from former managers and to talk about it. And definitely, definitely have your references polished before you go. And I would say, I'd go further and just say, you know, tell your references. When you're going for an interview, tell the people that you're going for an interview so that they're prepared in case they get that email or that call about you. So, the good news is, like, what do bosses want? The good news is they basically all want the same things. So, that's good news because once you figure out how to position it that you have these things, then you will be able to get more job opportunities. So, basically, all bosses want the ability to solve problems, the ability to listen well, the ability to inspire confidence, the ability to close deals. And especially in today's remote environment, the ability to take a task and run with it without too much supervision or hand-holding. In terms of follow-up, I would say after your interview, let your references immediately know that somebody's going to be contacting them. Sometimes today, job offers happen so fast that people aren't contacted, I've noticed, but just assume that people will reach out to your references. Now, I say write an old-fashioned thank you note to the company. And that by that, I mean in an email to them, thanking the person, showing gratitude for his or her time, and uh, what you learned from the interview, perhaps, and maybe carrying forward like a kernel of the conversation that you had in the interview, I would write an email that in tone and manner, is like an old-fashioned thank you note. But there's no reason why you can't do both, actually. I mean, there's no reason why you can't send an email and an old-fashioned thank you note. You know, the thank you note might take five days to get there. An email is more pragmatic because it'll get there. And then if you're lucky, the person will bat it back to you and you'll be in a conversation with him or her about, about that prospect that you're looking for. But you know, showing gratitude is never a bad strategy. And I also feel that today when nobody is getting handwritten letters anymore, one might really stand out and it might really help you. So I would consider doing both. But anyway, you want to show appreciation for their time, bring up something you discussed in the meeting that you found insightful. Or if you were asked a question and you didn't feel like you answered it well enough, this is the moment to continue the conversation from the interview and say something like oh you know that was really interesting that you asked me about this and i was thinking more about it and i wanted to also you know mention this i think you can help yourself a lot and it will also make your thank you note stand out from other people's when you do that regardless of whether you land the job you want to thank your references And always remember that show gratitude because then people will remember you for future opportunities.